Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Parastyle Podcast. We're trying something new this week. We're putting our Facebook Live show that usually airs or goes on Facebook Live around noon on Thursdays. We're putting it as a podcast forum because I know some of you guys can't really dedicate a whole like hour to watching a video. So we're putting it on a podcast. Um, there's going to be some limitations since it is a video originally, but we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you like it, we probably will keep doing this and posting it so you guys can get more USC content. Um, okay, so stay tuned. Here's our live show. So if you haven't been on this before, this is what we do. We come on and we try to talk about the latest happenings in USC Trojan football. USC is about halfway through uh, spring football, seven practices down. Eight to go, and the eighth is coming up in a couple of hours. So we'll be out there today. We're going to answer any kind of questions you have about the team going forward and all that. Oh, Keely, you made it go away. I'm learning. Just figuring this stuff out. So Keely's controlling the uh, Facebook comments. So leave us the comments. We love uh, all the feedback, and that's what we kind of want to talk about. Um, I don't know. Any subjects you want to start with? Quarterbacks or... Anything else? Halfway through. I think it's gone faster this year than I feel like any other year before, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. How, how do you feel about halfway through Shotgun? I feel like I've missed half of halfway through already uh, because I've been traveling on the weekend. So I, I, I unfortunately missed the scrimmage last week, which, you know, the first full pad scrimmage is always probably the most fun, in my opinion, because then guys are really, uh, you know, active and trying to hit people, uh, even though, you know, it sounded like there wasn't full tackling to the ground or anything which that just needs to happen. I don't know why, why we can't tackle anybody for real. Uh, <laughs> like the, the NFL now, you can't put your head down for anything. So uh, it's uh, unique the way they're doing it. And it has felt like it's kind of gone by pretty quick. Uh, we have two full weeks left and, uh, you know, a couple practices this week. I'm looking forward to Saturday scrimmage and seeing, you know, if they actually do some full, full speed, full tackling, full everything. Uh, for the first time and, and see if that changes going into this week now that you're fully halfway into the into the spring. Today should be full pads, correct? I believe so. I think today and Saturday should be full pads. Cool what will they do? So Tuesday was kind of interesting. Um, I wanted to start charting the quarterbacks because we needed to know, you know, how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I picked the day where they decided to go really, really short. Um, they didn't do any seven-on-seven, seven, so no skelly, you know, skeleton drills. Um, I talked to uh, Brian Ellis, the quarterback coach, afterwards, and he said he wasn't exactly sure why, but he knows that they cut at least one period out at the end. Clay Hilton kind of gave them a, a shorter day. Now, they still ran gassers and stuff afterwards, yeah. but they're really what each of the guys had nine competitive throws. So, uh, Jack, I mean, uh, Matt Fink had seven, he completed seven of nine. Jack Sears was just four of nine. So it wasn't a great day. It's like completion wise for Sears, but everything was short. There wasn't anything completed long. Um, I'm curious to see kind of what they do today. It should be more competitive period, especially with the, the full pads, but I'm going to keep charting and kind of see how these guys do, because I think Fink's had some, I don't know what you guys think. I think Fink's had some, some good days where higher, maybe higher percentage, more efficient throwing the football, but. Talking to Brian Ellis about it seems like, yeah, but you don't look in too much of that because sometimes you're not throwing where we want you to throw. And that, so I don't know. Completions are the name of the game, but um, it just it seems like we're not really a whole lot closer to figuring out who the next quarterback is going to be. No. Uh, I feel like I'm curious what they're looking at as far as film goes because from what we saw in the scrimmage and on Thursday, it was just 
um, not the best we've seen of the quarterbacks. But then on Tuesday, when we were like, hey, what do you see from the film? They were like, I thought we did pretty well. Helton thought they did pretty well. Um, so I'm curious what the bar is. What are they trying to accomplish each practice that would make them kind of think, oh, we did a good job? Because so far it doesn't look that impressive. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's just like it, it, it leaves a little bit of concern. If, if there was a game on Saturday, I think there would be some concern there. Um, so there's a ways to go as far as quarterbacks go, but I'm just curious how they're really evaluating the quarterbacks, especially because Helton says it's an educational spring, not yeah. really a competitive spring. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Shotgun? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think Fink is a guy that's kind of been up and down, where Sears has kind of been more flatline, uh, you know, not necessarily either one of them setting the world on fire, but I, I think Fink has had, you know, more positives in his good days and more negatives in his bad days, uh, rather than kind of Sears. I think he had a pretty good scrimmage from what I, you know, I've heard. And Sears has said, you know, the biggest thing for him is not making the same mistake twice. That's that's the thing that he's really focused on uh, this spring. So he's he's okay with making some mistakes, but just do it again. You know, learn from your mistakes. And I think Fink, uh, you know, I think he's struggling with kind of the, you know, being the QB1 and, and kind of getting that, you know, over that hump a little bit, uh, but just mentally maybe because, you know, He's kind of, uh, you know, read a couple of clippings or read a couple of tweets or whatever it may be, it seems like. He's just listening to, you know, his interviews, how they've kind of morphed just a little bit these first couple of weeks of the season or of the spring and how he's kind of changed his answers just a little bit, kind of listening. You know, I, I went back and listened to what he said, you know, the first week uh, after, you know, spring after the first practice and whether it's really not, it's more of just kind of go walking through the motions type of thing to an extent when you're, you know, barely in shells or anything compared to after yesterday's pra or Tuesday's practice and seeing how he kind of responded to the answers and, you know, how he's kind of, well, you guys tell me type of thing. Uh, you know, Michael Pittman, I, Dan asked him, you know, Michael Pittman uh, had said he's got a little bit of Marcus Mariota in him, uh, I guess referring to the fact that he can also he can run, but he also is looking for the receivers more. And he said, well, what do you think? You know, instead of just kind of responding to the comment, he was he was more putting it back on Dan. You know, just, you know, what do you think in that regard? Uh, so I, I think that, that he's adjusting to that a little bit. It's, it's obviously it's a lot different when, you know, every single day that that uh, that there's a practice you're available, you're going to be talking. That's kind of the the role of, of QB one at USC in particular. Uh, and not every quarterback gets that. You know, we had issues with Cody Kessler where, as a team captain and the starting quarterback, and he didn't want to talk after games if they lost. I mean, that's something you just have to, you know, you have to realize you're going to have to. Oh, I think we lost you for a second there, but there's a little. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> mental aspect for Matt Fink has actually been something that is a factor this spring. I think we have seen him play a little bit better as a second-team quarterback under Darnold during practice or even against Oregon State. Granted, it was Oregon State. But um, I definitely think <laughs> I definitely think that that has kind of been a factor, especially like Shotgun said. He the second week back on Tuesday, he kind of acknowledged like, "Well, you guys, why are you asking me questions if you guys kind of already have your opinions about me?" He didn't say that word for word, but he <laughs> did have that tone. Um, so I think that is definitely affecting him. And so seeing how that leadership, how being the face of USC football for now, is kind of something he's trying to adjust to as, as well as being the number one guy or the number two guy at practice is something definitely he is having trouble um adjusting to but i think he'll get there yeah it's uh there's something about playing 
quarterback for American football, it's like this alpha position, the most important position of any of the sports that we, you know, cover or follow here in this country. And I think if you remember 2016, when the Max Brown, Sam Darnold battle was going on, I think you got the feeling like Sam Darnold wanted to be the starting quarterback. Like he was like, that's what I want to be. Do you look at Matt Fink and go, he really wants to be the starting quarterback right now? What would you be judging that by? I feel like that's not very fair to ask right now. I, I think there's something, though, where if you're put in a position where you can take over for wh whoever the incumbent was, the incumbent's gone. Like, you're, the clear path is you're, like, the number one choice. I just haven't got the feeling that he's, like, yeah, I'm it. Like, I'm going to be the guy. Now, he's doing most of the first team reps. I think in the summer he'll be running a lot of the workouts and stuff. But just from the stuff he's been saying, I'm not – it's just his approach is a little bit different. I just don't feel like this is a guy that's embracing like, hey, man, I should be the starting quarterback. Here's what – let's do it, you know. Yeah, I think that's right. What I, what I think is that it's just something he's not used to. I think he's getting accustomed to that. I don't think it's necessarily something uh, – I mean, being at Glendora High is not the same as being in modern day or at St. John Bosco and playing sure. on nationally televised games. I think it's just a different um, experience for him, and I think he's learning – you know, from those first couple of weeks and now, I mean, I, I think, you know, the the first two years of his career at USC probably got interviewed, I would guess, maybe five times, you know, just throwing it out there as a number. But, uh, you know, I think it's just a different experience. And those five times were probably one-on-ones. I know I got him, you know, after he chipped his tooth at the Washington game. That was kind of the biggest thing that happened to him. He had that, <laughs> and then he, his redshirt year, then he ran for the 51-yard touchdown against Oregon State. And those are really the two career highlights so far for him. And being talked to after those things is, you know, maybe one or two people. Now it's it's the whole swarm. He gets, you know, you get 10, 12 people around you firing questions off, you know, from either side of you. And then, you know, if, if everything goes right and it goes well, you end up with Sam Darnold where you have you, the media completely surrounding you on uh, on pro day. So okay. I think it's just an adjustment period for him to, to begin with right here. And I think what you see at the end of the spring uh, will be a much better um, maybe barometer for where he is at going forward into the race. And, you know, if he's still having these troubles, troubles after three more weeks, you know, um, where he doesn't really, you know, doesn't seem to have that alpha personality, then I think you're more concerned rather than, you know, I think, like I said, I just think it's a little bit of an adjustment period for him because something new. Uh, and I think he's a kid that will be fine with that. Um, you know, Eglindor, he was the guy. There was really nobody else on that team. Uh, so he had to do, you know, a lot of things, and he was expected to do a lot of things. Now, you know, he's got receivers. He talked about it's a lot different when you have receivers that, that are guys that could go and, uh, you know, they're going to be in the NFL draft eventually versus a Glendora when you're throwing to a, you know, a 5'7 guy or something like that. So uh, I, I think he's learning where he's at in his place right now in the offense. And, you know, that he and, you know, maybe he needs someone, Sam Darnold or someone, you know, a previous quarterback or even one of the, uh, defense leaders like Cam Smith to say, hey, you're the guy you need to take over and you need to do this. But I think just an adjustment period right now. I think that's fair. Um, and, and to be fair to, to Matt, and we'll see, you know, as he's progressing, I haven't noticed that really from Jack Sears either. Like, do you feel like there's an alpha personality there? Like, he's a dude that's like, hey, man, it's my turn. Did you really feel like Sam was an alpha personality in, like, PRPs in spring? No, I, he was, I don't think he was an alpha personality that way, but I felt, being around him, I felt like he wants the job. Like, he's going to be the guy. Where he did it in a quiet way. He wasn't, like, standing on a soapbox and tell, talking about everyone. But you're like, this guy wants to be the starting quarterback. I don't, I don't know if it's just a feeling. And it's not fair to compare. He's going to be, like, the number one pick in the draft. So it's yeah, not yeah. really fair to compare these guys. But 
I haven't really got the feeling yet, personally, that either one of these guys is like, man, I want this job so bad. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to be unfair to either one of them, but I just haven't felt that. I don't know, do you, have you felt, seen that at all, Shotgun? Or did you get that feeling with Sam Darnold? Like, yeah, dude, he wants to be the starting quarterback. I don't really, I mean, because he's a, more of a quiet guy, you know, the, the way he leads is by, you know, being the guy that goes and gets the water bucket and everything, you know, those different type of things. He does things by, with his actions. I don't think we've necessarily seen either of the guys do something that says in their actions that would say, hey, I'm the, the alpha, I'm taking over. But also, I, I don't think there's anything that said that they're not going to be that either. Um, I, I think that, like I said, they're both younger guys. I mean, Fink's going into his third season, Sears into his second season. Uh, there's a lot of older guys on this team, especially on the defensive side. So, uh, you know, maybe you want to see a little bit of brash and some guys talking some smack with some of those older guys. I don't know. But uh, I don't think that there's been anything to tell me that, that neither one of these guys can be the guy so far. Hey, give us some likes on the Facebook thing. Just a little... <laughs> I like that number. I like to see that the, the, the little numbers? things go by. I like that, you know, oh, when they they're coming by. in. Uh, I'm trying to get George to come up. Oh, yeah. George says, which Trojan has made the biggest leap from last year to this year? So hard. Mm. Like, we're seven practices in. It's almost like a projection of who's going to do it, you know? Like, we Maybe. talked about some of those guys, like a Jay Tufele, like someone like someone that, that redshirted last year would be good candidates because that, that's about as big a leap you can get. They, I think, like, Jay Tufele is going to contribute, but... I don't know, any other names you're going to throw out there? I'd, I'd say Brandon Peely has been a guy that's you know has, has made some uh, noise you know, on that defense line, and another guy that that maybe made a jump from special teams to playing time on the defense would be Juliano Falanico. I think he's a lot bigger. You know, him and Hunter Echol both look like they put on a lot of weight. Uh, they're much thicker and look like they are ready to play those outside rush positions much better this yeah, season to be able to you know kind of contain the quarterback, but also be able to take on that block and, and hold the edge. I think those guys uh, have a much better opportunity to to get some playing time on those spots. Um, looking at the offense, you know, nobody really stands out in the top, you know, off the top of my head. You know, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker is a guy that, that you know has made a couple plays and stood out. Though I think he still plays a little too high at times, and maybe that's a, something that's got to be techniques got to be worked on before he can get in that rotation. Uh, but yeah, the, I think you're, you're going to see more when the scrimmages get going a little bit more. You start seeing guys, you know, making a couple more plays. But those are just a couple, a couple off the top of my head. Um, a guy that, that necessarily can't make a huge leap, but I think that is in line for a huge play in time and you're going to make a bunch of plays. Akili Ross, I, I mentioned it after Tuesday's practice, that I thought, you know, this the fact some of the, the small things, you know, the fact that he's the first guy in drills. He's the first guy when they're doing conditioning to finish. You know, and Akili at times, uh, not to be harsh, but it could be lazy at times and, and you know, would just, you know, kind of glide and coast. But now he's the guy that's finishing first. He's the guy that's kind of taken on that, that bigger role, more of a responsibility, I think, in the back end of that defense. Him and Marvell Tell look like the, the starting safeties as of now. Uh, you know, he's playing both there and the nickelback spot. But I think he has made a big jump as far as his mindset going in and attacking the practices much better this, this uh, spring and even last year, you know, you saw that more from him. But I think now he's just locked in, it seems, every practice. So he's a guy that I think they could take a big jump and, and be very productive this season. Yeah, I was going to say, Akili, just from the growth perspective, um, like Shotgun said, he's getting first-team reps at safety. He's also getting second-team reps at nickel. Um, and there was a practice last week where when he was at nickel, someone yelled at him, come on, Akili, you're the oldest guy there. You lead it. 
and from that point he was kind of very vocal telling the younger guys what to do and that's not something we really saw from Achille before he was the guy being told what to do and now he's the guy who's directing guys telling them what to do telling them hey do this better you know he's going up to younger guys and coaching them up a little bit so seeing that shift from being the guy who was talked to and being the guy who is now talking to other guys is a shift that we haven't really seen before from Achilles. So I think we're seeing him kind of mature into that older role. So I think sometimes you do that where you're, you're, if you have to teach it, you're doing it better. Yeah. And so he's trying to do that now and change his role. I feel bad for Giuliano Falanico. Uh, at the end of practice, they do those gassers and they have to like, they're all in line. There's like six or seven guys at a time and they each go, doing up-downs, whatever they got to do. And uh, he had a, and if you were finishing last, you had to do it again. He comes up to his group and like started and he went too quick before everyone else went. They went back as everyone else went. So he ended up finishing last. And then they redid it again. And he was going against a bunch of like offensive linemen. So he should have killed them all. And then he fell down and <laughs> he didn't finish last again. It was just like, I think, and then I think the last time the he played, there was more offensive linemen. He just did it. He didn't try to do it too fast because I can beat all these guys without just doing anything too crazy. So he learned on his third time, but I felt bad. He kept screwing that drill up there. Yeah, but I, th I think that was a fun thing that you see in spring versus fall. You know, the yeah. coaches thought it was funny. Giuliano treated it well, thought it was funny. And, yeah. and I think it was a cool moment, just a spring moment. Yeah. Nice. Um, Should we pull up some more? Yeah. So if you have any questions, please put them into our Facebook comments. Uh, if you're watching this on you know, apps have already been taped. If we put it, we'll put it up on YouTube and stuff afterwards. Are we gonna put it as a podcast? Someone requ requested that. As a podcast. I uh, can do that if you want me to. We could do that. Yeah. Okay. So nice. if you're listening to this podcast, giving you guys all the options. You just can't see uh, all of us. Yeah. Kobe says, "Who do you think wins the strong safety battle?" I mean, right now you look at it, and, and uh, YK is the guy that's that's getting the first team reps there. Um, you know, the other there's several candidates at that spot. I, I think Bubba Bolden is another guy and CJ Pollard are both going to be in that competition. You've seen them get some first team reps as well, but I think right now it's, it's YK's to lose or if he has to be moved to the nickelback spot for some reason. Uh, you know, I talked with Jonathan Lockett last week. He's playing both inside and outside at the nickelback. You know, he was the starting nickelback when he got injured uh, the first time with his hip. He actually told me he had two different hip surgeries. You know, it's just kind of the, the way that his uh, bones were shaped that they were kind of pushing outward, I believe it was, and, and he had to have that shaved down, and he had the, maybe it was the left one first, and, you know, they said when you come back, if you're still having an issue, you know, if you're still feeling it on the right side, we'll have to do that one too. So they ended up having two different, you know, surgeries for that, and that's why he's missed, you know, after uh, coming out of the 2016 season, he came back for some summer workouts, but then before he even got to fall practice, they made the decision to, to, uh, to go and have that surgery again. So he... Uh, is back and competing both inside and outside, trying to find you know this the best fit. And then also you got Jenna Harris is kind of the the um, the incumbent now. Uh, and then Yukili can also play there. You've seen him play there in a couple of games last season when when Ajene was hurt against Cal and, and uh, you know when USC went to dime and you were using both Ajene and uh, YK on both sides. Uh, so I, I think that that's one of the the more interesting battles that Nickelback spot. But then I think how the Nickelback spot kind of plays out will will also tell you a lot about the strong safety spot too because I think YK is the is the leader in that that uh, battle to begin with right now. Yeah, we're definitely seeing YK there, but we're also seeing Bubba kind of getting looks at first team. YK will be the first round of first team, and then we'll see Bubba with the second team. But we haven't seen Bubba as much later in uh, 
spring. So it, it seems like YK is kind of winning that slowly over time. Yeah, and it, you know, this might be, we say this all the time, this could be a year where you're seeing more of a rotation uh, in the secondary too. So I think there's enough bodies there that you could see more than just five guys playing. So we'll see. Uh, Michael wants to know, what's the status of the O-line? Is this coming up, Michael? Oh, uh, there it is. It's ah, yeah, yeah, hold on. Yeah. Uh, what's the status of the O-line with injuries and transfers, etc.? Uh, well, so Cole Smith, Nathan, Nathan Smith are not there. They retired. Um, Roy Hemsley, really good friends with Keeley, I believe. Uh, <laughs> we're just kidding. Uh, he has transferred out as well. He went to ASU, right? Mm -hmm. um, Injury-wise, so you're not seeing much of Toa Lobendon. Uh, he, I think he snapped for like seven on seven a little bit. And he got plunked in the head once. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's fairly healthy group, right? There's not really much else going on there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is just the centers uh, with Toa being out. Yeah, Brett Nilon, uh, who we learned the other day, that's how you pronounce his name, is Nilon. Yeah, we yeah. heard he did an interview for USC, and Chuck and I were kind of sending an earshot, and he said his name, we were like, wait a minute. We did not realize. Nilan, like the whole. He's never corrected us. To them? Maybe we'd be able to know how to say their name. Keely with some snark. But even you know, talking to him in high school and stuff, he never he never corrected um, yeah. you know, that before, so... Learn something new every day. That's what they say. But it, you know, at that center position, you have you have Brett Nealon and you have Justin Dietrich. You know, you have a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. So that has been an area of concern because Brandon Peely has been manhandling people, um, and maybe that's part of the reason why Brandon Peely has looked really good this spring is because he's facing two inexperienced guys, um, and maybe the same for Jay Tufelli and, and just a couple of those guys when they're not going up against the guards or whatever it may be. I think that's kind of the biggest issue. There has been some offensive line struggles, and I think part of it is you don't have your probably team leader, uh, your offensive leader in there in the middle, and you know they're trying to protect Toa Lobandon. Uh, so I think that has an issue. I think one of the, the the more interesting battles is that left tackle spot with with Clayton Johnston and Austin Jackson. Um, but besides that, you know it's been pretty set, you know a pretty consistent group of you know of Nealon in the middle with Chris Brown and Andrew Voorhees on his outsides. And then Chuma Doga at the right tackle spot with the left tackle being the, the question mark. So it's been pretty consistent. They haven't been great. Eh, I, I wouldn't say they've been terrible. Um, been pretty uh, meh so far. Meh. Yeah, meh. Uh, which is Austin not what ideal. Had a big crowd around him on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. No, did you talk to Austin? Christopherino. Christopherino was there. Oh. To talk yeah. to him. Uh, so I did not see his. Uh, he has put the article up, but I have not had time to read it. So. If you do want to look at something, go look at the Neil Calloway scrum that I posted. It's an interesting scrum. You kind of get more of a personality from Neil a little bit. You can kind of understand his coaching style just by watching him. Um, asked about the left tackle competition. Someone asked, like, well, do you think there'll be someone that will, like, kind of make their way as towards starter at the end of spring camp? And he goes, hopefully. Hope they do. Like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't like to say a lot. No, especially he for a former head coach, like he doesn't. Like, I can't imagine if you're covering those teams back then. Like, he doesn't say a whole lot. So. Uh, I've heard it, it wasn't pretty. Oh, okay. From from Georgia people when he was the offensive line coach there, and then I've also uh, seen bad negative comments about his 
head coach uh, availability, I guess, as the UAB head coach. Uh, Interesting. We kind of already touched on this. Daryl says, do you guys expect a better O-line for 2018? How much of a role do you expect from Coach Drevno? Drevno was actually asked, hey, how are you seeing the O-line progress in his scrum on Tuesday? And he was quick to shut that down. He was like, well, I'm the running backs coach, so I'm focusing on the running backs. And then that was kind of it. So if you're wondering for any type of like slide over into the O-line, that's not happening right now. He's making it clear that he is solely the running backs coach right now. Yeah, uh, I'm, that's a good question, though. Do you think the line is going to be better? I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would bet on it being better. I, I like this group better. You like the group yeah. better? Yeah, I like to it inside more than at left tackle. Um, I think both of those guys that are at the left tackle position are more suited for that than Toa necessarily was. Um, the question becomes, do you think that Clayton Johnson or Austin Jackson is kind of better than Nico Fall because that's kind of your switch out. Um, I, I think this group is going to be better because you have Andrew Voorhees more experienced. Uh, you know, after losing Vianna Talamavio in the middle of that Washington State game, you know, I think he got a lot of experience. I think he's only going to be better. And I think those two guys at left tackle got some experience uh, this play, playing last year. And then Chuma Doga, you know, he graded out as the best uh, offensive lineman for them pretty much all year. And I thought he was going to have a huge year last year, and he was banged up a lot of the season. I think if he's healthy, I think it's you know completely different. I think he can just manhandle people on the outside. He's super athletic. He's strong, and when he puts in the effort, he's you know one of the best linemen on the West Coast. So I think that this group as a whole can be better than last year if they can stay healthy. That's always a question with offensive linemen, but I think you know staying healthy and then getting Tua in there so that they can work on the communication, work on the calls, that type of thing. I think the group has maybe uh, more of an upside than the, than the group last year had. I think if last year's group stayed healthy, they would have been a better group by then, too. Yes, <laughs> but they weren't. If they were not. George says, how much different has the running backs coaching been with Drevno now in charge of that group? It should show up. Yes. Uh, it's hard to tell. They're, like, far away from where we're watching them. They do some of the same drills. Um, and for the first couple of practices, they had one running back. So, uh, you know, you had Aka Cedric Ware. I, I don't think we have a great feel for what the running backs are, are doing right now. At least I don't. I don't know if you guys have anything different, but it's, it's just kind of a, I mean, it's what they were doing before, I guess. As far as drills and stuff, I don't see a bunch of differences. I mean, I think someone asked the same question on, on the P and, Chris was quick to say, hey, we don't really see them much because they're far off yeah. in the far corner, uh, so we don't really get to see that. We've seen, you know, someone, I think the question was about, you know, how, uh, you know, is Drevno using the same techniques or drills as McCullough was? And we've seen, like, the the punching, uh, the the boxing glove on the end of the stick. Uh, we haven't seen in this, uh, the water balls or uh, the, the, the rip chain that he had basically um, concocted. Sorry. Go ahead. Someone called in to the Parasol podcast yes. and said that at practice they saw it. So maybe from the spectator um, perspective they saw it. Yeah. But we um, but I did ask Seth. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, I was going to say that's true because we can't really see that corner and you can see it much better from perch to top dado. Um, and and the, with the running backs, you know, you, you've had basically Aka Cedric Ware and Dominic Davis uh, and said Ware has looked really good. I think he's been one of the standouts on the offensive side. Uh, Vi came back this past practice, and I think he had one pretty good run in there. Uh, 
I know someone asked earlier in the questions, uh, do you think Greg Johnson is going to move because of the depth? I don't see that happening. I think they want to, with a young player, they want to oh, keep him over there so he can develop as a cornerback more than, than moving to running back and kind of bouncing back and forth. The difference, though, I did ask said how's film study now with Drevno, and he said it's much more comprehensive. They definitely look at the O-line um, and look at all those things more than before with uh, – Dylan, thank you. So, but but Akasadra Guerra, it's his third year. He said three running backs coach Tommy Robinson, Dylan, and now uh, Drevno. So he said he's kind of taking everything that each coach has given him, taking the challenge and making it a good thing, and and trying to be more of a comprehensive back and taking everything that each coach has told him and putting it together as one. So yeah, I think he's got some great opportunities this year. I mean, it would be nice to be able to see Stephen Carr out there too, but you know we're not going to see that till the fall. Uh, Clippy says, so the QB position sounds sketchy. Is there another position that looks promising? Running backs, wide receiver, O-line, D-line, etc. Um, I mean, I think you feel pretty good about the wide receiver spot, uh, the position. Um, you saw what Tyler Vaughn can do, you know, Michael Pittman, and I think there's some opportunities there for other guys. Um, you know, for running backs, we haven't, oh, I think we lost, uh, Question mark. Da, da, da. Oh, he's, oh back. he's back. Maybe. Oh, oh but we can't hear him. Probably for the better. Yeah. <laughs> I lost you guys for a second. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back. Cool. That was. I was really worried about. Okay, so this is the first time we've done this. The recovery process. Like, oh crap, do we have to shut everything down? I think I could like fiddle with it a little bit, but he came back, so that's good. Um, yeah, this program has its own, like, uh, remote, it's called, like, Rendezvous, so it's, like, its own, so we're not using, like, Skype or Google Hangouts, it's just, like, its own thing, so. First time I tried it today, so we're, it appears to be working, I don't know. Uh, no, back, back to the question. Yeah, uh, well, what do, you, what do you think, is there a promising position? Well, just re talking about the wide receivers, like, the two were saying, uh, I think Josh Motorbebe has kind of stood out uh, and made some plays. Um, I thought Trayvon Sidney, the first couple of weeks, he and, and uh, Pai Young both were making plays in the slot. Um, so I think the receiver group has looked pretty good, uh, especially considering that you lose two very productive guys in Deontay Burnett and Stephen Mitchell. I think that group has kind of stepped up already and, and made some plays. And I, I think the, the D-line has been more impressive than maybe expected after losing you know, a couple guys there. I think Malik Dorton's come back. We, we've mentioned him before as a guy that's just kind of stood out as, as taking on a bigger leadership role. And then the linebacker group, which you know is only going to get deeper in the fall when you get those freshmen in there. But I, I think there's some guys on, on that, in that group that are making some plays. And you know it's, a, it's an interesting battle on the edges to see who's going to play besides Port Augustine. You know, who else is going to play out there? Is, is, is Christian Rector going to make some plays on the edge? Is you know, is, is who's going to take over the Sam spot, you know, who's going to play behind Port Augustine, you know, if they try to limit him at all, you know, just to make sure he's healthy, maybe, the, you know, just to rotate some guys in, that type of thing. We'll see. Uh, I think that's one of the, another intriguing battle, but I think the linebacker group as a whole ha has looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pittman told Dan Weber that he thinks Pittman and Vaughns can be the best one-two receiver in college football. Next nice. Season. So, some Interesting. There. Uh, it's funny, Cliffy didn't mention, like, the linebackers or defensive backs. Like, you could say the back seven is about as deep as you as we've seen and yeah. uh, really talented. So, I, This kind of is cheating, but I think the incoming freshmen have been impressive. Hufunga and, and Malga definitely have been impressive. And, and I've seen Hufunga really try and 
get with the older guys and see what they're saying. And so it's it. I've talked to Clancy too, and they, he says that they're definitely taking notes and definitely learning each practice. So the defensive uh, incoming guys are have been impressive. Yeah. It's really hard hearing the echo. Sorry. <laughs> this is weird. yeah. We we are hearing a little bit of echo. Hopefully, I don't, it, but it wasn't happening on the. No, I just okay. hear myself. Five yeah, we can hear ourselves like speak, talking, and yeah. so I'm like. It's not like five seconds. It's like a half a second or something, right? Which is, it's just confusing. Oh, yeah. She's not good James? with counting. I'm a new accountant? <laughs> she's, she's not she's, good with counting. You're not good with counting. <laughs> James says, how have Steven Carr's helped? We saw him at practice for the first time last week. Yeah. I believe it was last week. Um, we saw him on Tuesday. He was hearing that Carr is trying to get the coaching staff to let him come back for spring, which shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. Also saw him on also saw him on Tuesday after practice with a puppy, so that's always a positive. That always helps the healing process. He's still active on social media and stuff, you know. Yeah. His back hasn't stopped his Twitter fingers. <laughs> I think Jack Jones too. Like he's pretty, uh, he's pretty active about things and uh, very like you know, he's not talking like he's suspended from spring football. He's like very happy or whatever. He did show up at spring practice one day, and I was like, that's a little odd. Yeah. Uh, Daryl says, with the quarterback position looking underwhelming so far, do you think, do you see JT with the upper hand for the starting job? Nope. I don't know how you can have an upper hand if you're not, if you're not there. Yeah. yeah. It's just. It, it tells it, you that he has a shot more, maybe. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it says, oh, well, maybe he, he actually does have a real true chance to get in, but you can't say he has an upper hand for sure. Yeah, not upper hand, but at this point, we could have been saying, Holy crap, Jack Sears just like is crushing yeah. it out there. Or man, Matt Fink just stepped in the and it's amazing. And we haven't seen that. No. Um, not that I don't, don't want to be unfair to those guys. I think it'd be very difficult to do that. Yeah. If they did, it would make JT's job a lot harder. As of now, it's not like it's not this huge mountain he's gonna have to climb. The door's open. Yeah. I think it, it's gonna be more about him. I think it's more about JT. Like I I think when Sam Darnold in 2016, he didn't have to overcome like Mac Brown playing like lights out, but he had to overcome Mac Brown being like the former number one quarterback, five star guy, you know, his fourth year, all that kind of stuff or whatever. Like it's, there was more obstacles I think to overcome. The, now you're talking about beating out two young guys, and so far neither one of them has been like, you know, lights out. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he still has got to do it himself. Like, the hardest part, you know, he's got to compete against himself. He's got to come in. And play lights out to give him give him a shot. So have we confirmed or not if he'll be able to throw during PRP, like after the coaches' strength and conditioning staff leave, uh, or he, is he doing classes? I think he's going to be doing classes. I don't think we know for sure, and I don't even know if he knows the exact schedule uh, yet. But he can't come in and work with the team until he actually graduates. So. I don't have a date for when that's going to be. My guess is, though, you're probably not going to see him. It's it's all going to be about getting ready. Sometime in July, maybe we see him out there, but not like June, like some of the other guys. Is my guess. Well, now that fall camp starts in July, we will see him. In is July. it this year? Like, yeah, that's what Tim said. Okay. So, sad news. Uh, really? Yeah. Louis says, "When do you think USC is going to start getting commits?" Oh, for the doesn't. Doesn't really matter if you look at this time last year, the commits they had. Like, you, you probably don't want commits this early. 
because the guys that they had this early last year are the guys that are not with the program or not signed with the program. You had guys like Matt Corral and uh, you know Bo Calvert from Oaks Christian. Those two guys were together and were commits, and neither one of them ended up at USC. Uh, with the way the, the recruiting game is, you know, kind of morphed, it, it's getting early commits does really nothing because everyone gets all these offers anyways, and those are just the hellos. Whereas previous, if you got an offer, you know, it was a committable offer, you know, as soon as you got it. And then if you said, hey, I want to commit, then that pretty much meant you were in the class. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, back and forth with, with decommits or, you know, teams kind of pushing guys out and those type of things. You see that a lot more now than it previous was. So getting early commits is is okay. I mean, Raymond Scott's a guy that, that, you know, was a longtime commit, but he was also a guy that wavered back and forth, it, you know, behind the scenes, you know, about committing. So, you know, just getting that early commit doesn't really matter. So you, you look at even – you know, some of the guys that have come in in the 2019 class, you look at Chris Steele's a USC target, a cornerback target, he just narrowed his list down to 14, who was previously a UCLA commit. Uh, and then, so, you know, what does that early, early commitment really mean? doesn't re- mean much. So unless you're a quarterback, that's usually the only position where early commits mean more because those are usually the linchpin of the recruiting classes. They have to go out and kind of help recruit the rest of the class. So uh, USC looking maybe at the 2019 quarterbacks you may want to see one of those commit early but the rest of them uh, later commits are better than early commits yeah and i think you'd say the early signing period this year will be more interesting i think usc i want to say like they didn't really take it as seriously or they didn't i don't think they put as much into the early signing period i think they will do that a little bit more so you'll I think there might be some commits late, you know, like during the season that are going to be real ones that they want to sign early on. I think they're going to approach the early signing period a little bit differently this year. Yeah, I don't think. And also, do. and also, you have a little bit different um, timetable calendar this year because now you're allowed to have spring official visits, whereas yeah. last year that was not allowed. There was the early signing period, but no spring visits. This kind of changes the game in that regard. Uh, I believe Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, the number one player in the country, who USC's big, you know, big player for there is already taking some of his official visits this spring. He wants to kind of get the decision out of the way. Um, so I know he's taking the visits. Not exactly sure he announced them yesterday, you know, three that he's going to take, you know, across the Mississippi. But I don't know if those are exactly were official or unofficial. Didn't really state that. But, you know, you're seeing some of the bigger name guys that want to get stuff out of the way. They're going to take some official visits a little bit earlier. Um, with the local guys, USC is not, it's not a big deal because they can bring those guys in whenever. Um, but if you start seeing official visits from – Maybe those Texas wide receivers that USC is looking at or, the you know, some guys from Florida or something, then it changes the game a little bit. And if you get a commitment then, those are ones that are a little bit more important if you get it after those official visits. Let's go to Jane. She says, is the JNA going to be returning kicks and the Nickelback to, again, any other role you see him playing? The other role I see him in, the other role I see him in is captain. And we've had this discussion at practice is, you know, who's going to be the captains next year. I think Jenna is a lock for that. I mean, yeah. yeah. Lock. Yeah, I think. I think. Do you think he's going to be captain now? Did I not think so before? Nope. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you were all in on him being captain, but that's fine. Really? I kind of think he will. Our rule is, okay. I thought I said last week a Jenna is a lock. And you guys are like, eh, I'm not sure. Really? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Let's no, go, we'll back. go back and see. Go look at the I think you remember that backwards. Because you said Biggie was a lock to begin with. Oh, did I say that? Yeah, maybe it was. And then when I said a Jenna, you were like, oh, yeah, he's probably, he probably is willing to be yeah. one. Yeah, okay. Okay, but our, our general rule is people ask, like, is, okay, they were doing this last year. 
are they going to change it to this this year? And so the general rule is no, they don't change anything. So I can't bet against a Jamie Harris returning punts. My gut's telling me he's not going to for some reason, but I can't go against our rule because our rule says he's still going to return punts. I don't know if That's you guys true. feel different. Now, what was interesting is that when asked about the offensive line in the Cotton Bowl the other day, Clay Hilton said, if you don't learn from history, uh, blah, 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 blah. He said, yeah, we make them watch, you know, we watch tape of, of the Cotton Bowl. And we show it to the offensive line. But then he made this statement. It was like, oh, yeah, we, we, if you don't learn from the history, then you, you're, I mean, this, this saying is you're destined to repeat it. I don't know exactly what his, his words were off the top of my head. But then I was kind of wanting to just throw in, but what about the quarterback situation? If you have a young quarterback that you think is playing better in the fall, do you make that switch? Because we didn't see that before. He's going to learn from that mistake before. Uh, or not necessarily a mistake, but you learn from from what happened previously. Uh, and then a Gen 8, you know, right now he's the obviously the leading candidate to be returning. Maybe one of those young freshmen come in. You see Elijah Griffin, Amon Ra are two guys that we know that can return kicks and punts as well. Um, so they have to get there in the fall. They have to actually catch the ball, do those type of things, uh, because we've seen guys that return kicks or punts in high school. And then, you know, when you got a, a – 240 or 60 pound guy bearing down you versus a 160 pound, you know, high school wide receiver. It's a little bit different. Yeah. They haven't really been doing as much special teams as no. they used to this spring. I was telling Dan earlier, I'm not falling for it yet. I would like to wait till fall camp and fall to see what really happens yeah. with special teams. But when they do do some special teams work, it's a JNA back there taking our bed, I don't think that's going to change, at least till fall camp, like Shotgun said, till the new guys come in. So as of now, nothing changes. And I think the, uh, the mistake thing is interesting, and I think you want to be able to learn from your mistakes. I think the biggest issue is not about the inability or un unwillingness to learn from the mistakes, but to the unwillingness or short-sightedness maybe that you, you're not calling some of these things mistakes. Like you don't feel, like if yeah. you feel a Jenny Harris is a mistake or not like i don't know if they look at it and say that that was a mistake like they're not you know where most fans too nice in that regard yeah like you could say like this just wasn't working or yeah what the the you know kickoff return like why you know like i i think you look at certain things and i don't think they look at special teams as being this huge drain on the rest of the team where like most of us were like it was a really bad special teams unit and i don't know if the coaches look at it like that it's just interesting to me hearing the rhetoric around the team in the past because I feel like Neil Callaway actually took more responsibility for, as a whole, on the offense of doing poorly at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. You know, he was like, that, that was embarrassing. We were embarrassed. I made our team watch the film and learn from it, and we learned from our mistakes. Um, but as far as Clay, I feel like he wouldn't be that, like, straight up, yeah, it was bad, it was embarrassing. Because he wouldn't want to call out the players. And yeah, he's a little... I feel like there's a way you can do that without being mean or calling out individual players. I mean, even when it comes back to looking at the tape of Fink and Sears, you can be like, hey, these are young quarterbacks. We're seeing some struggles, but that's what you expect with young guys. I know that they'll get it. I have full confidence that they will. That way you're accepting, hey, they're making mistakes, but you're not, like, killing your guys. You know, I think you need to acknowledge some negativity a little bit as a as opposed to all this positivity all the time. I think it kind of makes people a little annoyed. Yeah, I guess so. Wait. Oh. Uh, oh, let me, 
USC, because I, I charted all the penalties a little while, a while back, uh, USC had penalties on special teams the first six games of the season. Wow. That's pretty bad. And then the Notre Dame game was even much, much, much more atrocious. Where they had one, <laughs> well, let me just count this real quick. They had seven, seven penalties on special teams in the Notre Dame game. That's they won a game. Offsides on the extra point, illegal block on a punt return, delay of game on a field goal, uh, false start on a punt, holding on a punt return, roughing the kicker on an extra point, holding on a kickoff return. That's atrocious. That's more than you should have for a season. And then they had seven on that, that one. That's the game uh, that they decided game. to – sorry, sorry. They suddenly put in Jack Jones as punt returner yeah. when Ajene has been the guy the whole time. It's just like the, the – no, On the road. On yeah. the road, hostile environment. It makes no sense. So, so that's the thing is there there's obviously issues like you can yeah. look at there's tangible issues i haven't heard anyone say man we were bad on special teams last year we need to get better um i don't know have you heard anyone say anything like that or no so i, I think that's where i think clay wants to learn from his mistakes but you have to admit some of the mistakes and i don't know if they're admitting all of the ones that you know we're not football coaches, but they seem pretty obvious. The people that were out there watching and checking it out, you know, the fans, everybody seems to feel like, hey, this is a big problem here. Do you feel like, from Clay's perspective, since he's a relatively young, new head coach, he feels like he can't admit mistakes or else there'll be vultures circling for his job or his position? I feel like when he doesn't acknowledge that there needs to be changes, that's when people get really yeah. angry and put them on the hot seat. So I don't know if from his perspective, it's like, I can't admit mistakes because they'll know I'm young or inexperienced. Whereas I think from our perspective, it's the opposite. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's that fair. Sense? Yeah, I think, and I don't know if it's necessarily just about admitting the mistake. It's maybe it's about if you come out and say, we sucked on special teams, you have a special teams coordinator, a, a veteran guy that you respect, that you like. I mean, I think he's reluctant to throw yeah, people under the bus. bus. Yeah. And, you know, I think you could do it in a way that's like, we have what I feel is the best special teams coordinator in the country. Back then, we blocked the Olympics kicks, we blah, blah, blah. This year, there was a disc, you know, something wasn't right. It wasn't good. So we're going to go back to it. We know we have the right guy to, to fix the problem. Like, you can do that yeah. without, like putting all your confidence in in your dude but saying like yeah we fell short last year yeah and just by my quick count quick count uh, not thorough 23 penalties on special teams last year Jeez. so so you take away those and and look at the usc's penalty numbers suddenly their penalty numbers probably don't look as bad <laughs> usc had uh, if my count like granted i just skimmed through real quick but they had penalties on special teams in all but two games um, so one of those being the Cotton Bowl and the other one, I think Utah or somewhere in the middle of the season, uh, the seventh game of the year. But penalties on special teams in every game but two. 23 total penalties. That's bad. Yeah. That's just penalties, though. When you're talking about lack of production, um, turnover, there's a lot more. It's not like if you had 23 penalties and you blocked eight kicks, go ahead. Like, do it. Like, that's fine. You didn't do that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you jump. Open off sides, but you're blocking a kick on the next time, uh, you, you know, it's kind of a battle, then that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, if you're not getting the, you're not getting those uh, game changing plays outside of, you know, that one punt return by Michael Pittman, then, uh, you know, I think that's something you have to really address this offseason. And if you're spending hours 
each week privacying it. <laughs> you might as well try and get something for it. Yeah. It doesn't really look like it. We're like piling on this. I know. <laughs> but th I mean, I think that's a good example of why, you, you know, when you talk about um, admitting mistakes, yeah. that's a glaring mistake. I don't, yeah. I haven't seen anyone admit yet. No. Brandon Sanchez says, are, they, are there any position battles you may see taking into the fall besides QB that you guys may have not expected, maybe too early to tell? That we may not have expected. I think that's kind of the 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 key part of that question that that kind of throws things off. Um, I, I think there are position battles that we we did expect. I mean, the safety spot, the you know uh, maybe even that maybe one we didn't expect. Maybe that number two cornerback uh, with Jack Jones being out. I think that becomes a position uh, battle yeah. that that uh, may uh, you know linger until oh, you know until that final or first depth chart, final depth chart, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, it comes out in the late in the fall. Um, other than that, yeah, I think pretty much it's just the ones that we kind of knew that there were going to be position openings after seeing guys leave early for the NFL or, um, you know, their graduations, whatnot, what it may be, just holes that they were going to have. Uh, I think that's really the only one. I think, you know, the guys that, that left, that their careers ended, Nathan Smith or Cole Smith, those type of guys or guys that are transferring were guys that, you know, we're, we're hoping to get in a competition, but weren't necessarily already in one. So I don't think there's anything that we really didn't expect besides the Jack Jones, maybe. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, well, as far as going into, do you think like the left tackle thing will be decided in spring or we're going to wait till fall? I don't think so. The way Neil talked about it, it doesn't sound like it will. Be. Yeah. I don't I, feel I don't, like. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't think they're going to, they're not trying to rush anything and no. they're not going to, even if they feel like, someone's winning or whatever like i don't think they're going to give you any indication of that so this it's just not i don't think they're trying to have some definitive result of spring football besides yeah, no. getting young guys experience and playing football. i think at the most you kind of get you know maybe if there's an incumbent at a position and then you have the situation where chris brown started the the fall ahead of damian mama uh, i think that might be you know more of a motivating tactic more than yeah, this is a guy, and we're just set already after the end of the spring. I think uh, I think that they why why go ahead and name anybody? You know, if somebody gets nicked up on the first day and they're slow to recover and they don't produce very well when you come back in the fall, why what did you what did you gain an advantage of by naming that starter after spring? Now internally, they may tell you know because they have post spring meetings with players and they say, hey, right now he's in front of you. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to work harder than him in this offseason or whatever it may be? But externally, I don't think you're going to see any of those position battles really be known. Stephen Lapp says, at last Friday's scrimmage, it seemed like there were more than a few missed snaps between the center and both QBs in the shotgun. It seemed like most snaps were on target. Is this an issue that both Fink and Sears need to work on, or is this on the center? It's a little bit of both. You're getting young centers. Yeah, um, I talked to Brian Ellis about this a little bit Tuesday. So he was talking about interceptions. You can kind of understand when you're you're fumbling a snap, like that's give, that's a turnover giveaway. So those are the things he says. A lot of times it's just the little things where you uh, you're you're taking your mind off whatever the task at hand is. You have to be focused on exactly what you're doing. Um, he said they work on bad snaps uh, about half the time. I think eight, he said eight of the 15 practices they're scheduled to have like bad snap periods. And those are usually early. You'll see him kind of line up with each guy and they'll throw the ball in like different places. So that's something they work on a lot. But 
that's he seemed to be much more okay with the interceptions than those because these are just like gift turnovers, and so he's he really wants you to try to avoid those. So they, it's something they work on, uh, but he feels it's just not paying attention to all the little details, and that's where you go wrong. Yeah. We don't have people's pictures showing up. I know that's weird. So I'm sorry, we're not showing your pictures. Someone also today. said that you and I were hard to hear, but shotgun is normal level. I, he looks uh, like um, yeah. I, I see his audio looks a little bit louder than ours for some reason. So sorry. Kyle. Sorry about that. We'll yeah, we also, in regards to our negativity. Um, wow. What? Uh, Reggie says it's a good thing Coach Heldon stays positive because people like Keely and Ryan are more ne bring more ne negativity to the table, and Lord knows we don't need more negativity from the media. He also says I think Keely is hardwired for negativity. You clearly don't know me no. or have listened. <laughs> Because, no, that's me. Well, what we're trying to do here, um, I think, is Shotgun watching the uh, opening day? I think he is. Um, are the Dodgers winning, by the way? Are they? Oh, he's muted. Dodgers don't play until 4 o'clock today. Or the Angels. Oh. They're about to. First pitch yeah. is in. I didn't know you were watching opening day stuff. Um, no, that's behind me. I have to turn around to watch. Oh, okay. This is my so work. The, the, oh, I don't know if you want to put that back up. You don't have to. Um, what we're trying to do we're not trying to be a mouthpiece for the program. I know some people want your uscfootball.com. We're trying to be objective and tell you exactly what we think. If we think they're awesome, we're going to say they're awesome. If we think they stink, we're going to say they stink. We're not trying to push a certain agenda or anything like that. I mean, really, if, if Jack Sears was out there just throwing ropes all over the place and just killing you, would be like, this is amazing. Like, didn't expect that. Like, it's not about trying to be negative or positive. It's just trying to be objective and tell you exactly what we see. We're out there watching practice. We watch off-season workouts. We've watched a lot of them as high school recruits. You've seen them develop. You talk to them. You talk to their coaches. You talk to their high school coaches. You talk to sources. And basically, all of that information you try to put into a little nugget in your brain and then explain, hey, this is what we think. Shotgun might see something, and Keely might see something, and I might see something. We all have different opinions on it. But that's you're getting three people that have watched a lot and talked to a lot of people and tell you what they think. So if we all agree, then you have a pretty good chance that that's probably really what's going on. But it's not about trying to be negative. Um, so if you just want us to come in here and say, yes, they're going to win the national championship this year, it's like, no, I, I mean, I don't think that. So I wouldn't tell you that. I, that would be disingenuous because then I'd do that a couple of times. And you're like, well, you said they were going to win the championship, and yeah. they stunk. You know, it's like, well, we're telling you what we think is going to happen. I mean, after they were 1-3 in 2016, they stunk. You know, and it's that even after Sam lost the Utah game, I still didn't think, you know, I thought they looked a bit, little bit better. Did any of us expect them to go on a, you know, 10-game winning streak or whatever they did and then win the Rose Bowl? No, I don't know if any of you would either. But doesn't mean we're right all the time, but we're just going to tell you what we feel. I guess we don't gain anything by being negative about the no. team or positive about the team. We just want to tell you guys what we see. So yeah. you might not like it, but we're telling you what we see. And I think sometimes people are like, if you're if you're negative, it's like clickbait stuff. You're just like trying to cause controversy. Like, I don't care about that. Like, we're not, or whatever on here. Get, give me more likes if you're, if you're positive. <laughs> um, but I think some of the positive stuff too is like, there's, there's definitely USC fans that don't want to know and there's, there's fans of anything. They don't want to know what's really going on or what you think's really. They just want to be told, reinforced of something positive. And 
Whatever. You're probably not going to listen to us. There's other people you can talk to that are just going to be positive all the time, no matter what, you know. But that's just not the way we try to do things here. The thing is, right or wrong, but that's just our approach. The thing is, we can't please everybody, so we just tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> At least what we feel the truth is, that's what we're trying to do. It's true. Um, Tessa Troy has a shotgun, uh, has, has a question for shotgun. Shotgun, do you think that our defense is actually going to be dominant, or are they playing against a fairly poor offense? Anytime that you go into a spring camp, a fall camp, any camp where there's been a layoff, the defense is all, almost always ahead. So I, I think it's partly that. I think that also they have the opportunity to be dominant because that front, the back seven is going to be really good. If the front four can get pressure consistently, if guys, if they can find individuals that can get to the quarterback in a similar fashion that Rasheem Green and Yuchina Nwosu did to kind of help out with those, you know, with those one-on-one coverages they have on the outside because Clancy Pendergrass is going to put those guys on the island and give them opportunities to have to play one-on-one. They have to get someone that can get to the quarterback. I think you saw last year how much that affected uh, the, the defense as a whole, whereas the year before they really struggled getting the quarterback, and even with Chris Wilson as the uh, defense line coach, they kind of struggled with that as well, um, you know, getting to the quarterback and affecting uh, what the quarterback was able to do. So, therefore, yeah, yeah, I think the defense has a chance to be really good, and the youngsters they're bringing in are really, really talented. So it, it depends on that front four, though, to me. I think uh, right now you're seeing them be dominant because the offensive line has not been great, and because the offensive line is still, you know, working to, to become a unit as one. So after that, and, and that's kind of affected the quarterbacks too. Ryan talked about it the other day about how the quarterbacks have, you know, basically just been throwing short passes. And when they try to throw passes, when the, uh, the, the rush getting to the quarterback and, you know, there being mistakes and stuff that way. Um, so I think that as, as far as the defense line goes is how far it can carry this team and how good that defense can be eventually. Cool. Um, I tried to t I tried to do something so we wouldn't hear an echo, but I don't think it worked. Interesting. Uh, Gerald says, "Is not fully tackling to the ground Clay's call or NCAA rules? If it's Clay's call, is it avoid injuries or does he want to see a lot of missed tackles during games?" <laughs> it's not an NCAA rule. The rules are about when you can go full pads or not. Um, I think USC goes with full pads less often than that you're allocated or allowed to do. And then, I, but you're seeing a lot of programs not doing as much of like the full tackling to the ground. I would say USC does less, and I would say it's mostly because of uh, their philosophy of what they want to do and it's avoiding injuries and things like that. Um, and any this, get, any thoughts? Or no? Sorry. You guys agree, disagree? Yeah. I think he finished already. Uh, in the same vein, George says, how is the whole physicality thing playing out so far? Clay says he wants it, but not sure if we're seeing it. We're not, I don't think we're seeing a ton of it yet. Uh, the next couple practices, maybe we're halfway through and there's supposed to be two fully pad, you know, practices. Um, I wasn't at the, the scrimmage either. Did you feel like that was pretty physical or not really? It wasn't full live tackling. It, they were making full contact, but they weren't going to the ground fully. Yeah. They were still trying to kind of make sure they didn't get guys injured. But I think it has been hard going no pads, spring break, and then coming back. I think it's kind of been a restart of that. Even yeah. Callaway said it's kind of hard to get in the groove. They're just now getting into it. So I think today and Saturday will be a good tell to see if they really go full speed, go physical. So I think we'll know more then. Yeah. I would have went full pads coming out of spring break. 
Did you wake him back up? Get going. Immediate. Yeah. We're going to be conditioning. Practice five, I believe. But if you want practice four after spring break, where they had like 10 days off, it looked like, like people ask me, I'm like, well, it kind of looks like they took 10 days off and then they're just getting back at it. It's like, it just seemed a weird, not trying to be negative. And we've said this from the beginning before, like having a week of spring practice and then a week off, I would rather just start a week later, you know, after spring break or go for a couple of weeks. We've seen other programs do like in the middle somewhere yeah. where it seems like you're not three practices in, you're not even allowed to go full pads yet, and you're, you're taking a long break. And it just, I know, it just seems a little strange, but. I remember in the beginning, Helton said that the first week before spring break was a lot of install, so it was a lot of more mental than it was physical. I don't know if it was this year. I don't think they talked about it as much, no. so I can't necessarily confirm that, but. But even I if it's mental, was... you forget after 10 days or whatever, like you take off, like, they, they left Friday, and then you don't come back till like the following Tuesday. Oh, I would have had him. I would have had him conditioning Sunday night. We would have been out, you know, late night Sunday night uh, conditioning. Get back in the groove, guys, because we're we gotta get ready to go. We're trying to win a national championship. It starts in the spring. That's what I would. That's just Shotgun me. Bear Bryant there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> My comments just. Uh, Did they die? They just died. So. Oh. Keely just broke everything. Oh, okay. I got it back. Nice. Um, well, we're about we're about at the the hour mark anyway, oh, but we'll do okay. a couple more. Yeah. Or whatever. We got a bunch of comments. Seventy-seven comments. That's pretty good. Sean says, "Do you think? Do you guys think that having a good football season helps recruiting in other sports like basketball? When will women's basketball and baseball get back up to the par of their glory days?" Whenever you can bring attention to the school as a whole, then it helps the entire school. Uh, you you look at schools like Davidson when they had Steph Curry. You, you make a run, or even the Loyola Chicago. There's been all these studies about how admissions, you know, uh, um, applications increase and stuff. So that only helps you because you get more people with eyeballs. It's the extra PR, it's the extra stuff like that. So obviously that stuff would help. Um, and you know, if if you're, you know, it's a big selling point too. If you're one of these teams that, you know, if you're going to Alabama and you can say, hey, well, I get to go watch the national championship team you know, play on Saturday and we get in free or whatever it is. And they'll, you know, we need to go on the field at, you know, beside all these national champions or whatever. Um, that's a, you know, it's, it helps the selling point. And, you know, the basketball team, I know USC's basketball team, uh, you know, they bring recruits to the, um, the, the football games and that's preseason for them. All these other sports, they bring uh, recruits out and they want to show them, you know, that's one of the things when, you know, we're trying to see which recruits are, are there for USC's football games is wait, is that a basketball player or a football player? Or is that a water polo player? Like, wait, is that, what exactly sport is it? Because, you know, a lot of these guys have similar builds in some sports. So, you know, you're trying to decipher that as well. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, whenever you can have that national audience in any sport, it's going to help. Yeah. Agree there. Daryl has an interesting question. If you could bring back any player to the team from all USC football history, who would you choose to make an impact? That went away. Uh, any player from all of USC football history to like come and play right now is what he's saying. Reggie Bush wouldn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, Reggie Bush was redonkulous. Um, and that, obviously, you're getting like the 21 year old version, not the you know, whatever the guy is now, like, you don't, you don't want, He's like, no, but if you want to get, like, Ronnie retired. Lott or something, like, bring back Ronnie Lott, you know. Uh, here's one. Okay, I would go Anthony Munoz, because he never really had that kind of success during his USC career, but he was, uh, you know, obviously one of the greatest ever in the NFL. So 
maybe give him another opportunity to come in and dominate in college. How's that? I would, I would say Reggie Bush because just the excitement factor, you know, because Keely and I were not around for that. So uh, that would be hard like to cover. Uh, and just, you know, the excitement he brought to not only practices, but, you know, just all the moves. And the the second one, you know, is a, our fan favorite, uh, Adoree Jackson, you know, just having him back just because he's such a fun guy to be around and, you know, such a, a, a fun interview as well. So, you know, those are the guys we're looking for rather than the guy that actually helps the team the most probably. Well, you could also look for Reggie that how many recruits still talk about Reggie Bush to this day? Yeah. You bring him back. Now you're <laughs> talking like 15 recruiting. more years of recruiting, you know. Yep. So. Thinking, playing the long game, Ryan. <laughs> Matt Brown says, how many young linebackers have a chance of starting? One or none? Everyone talks about John Houston being talented, but I don't see it. Matt Brown says that. You don't see it. Well, Matt, then you did not watch the second half of the season then, if you do not see it, because John Houston was one of the better defenders the second half of the season. You know, it took him some time to develop, and, you know, he has some um, some things that he can't do, but there is also things that he can do that Cam Smith can't do. That's why they work so well as a pair. You know, he's a really good guy from sideline to sideline. He can attack downhill really well. Now, you know, taking on those blocks and getting around those, those are the things that he had to learn about last year. You know, what What happens when that 300-pound guy gets his hands on you? How do you get free of it? And those are the type of things that you learn in games rather than, you know, necessarily in practice as much. Uh, so I think that, that he's a guy that's going to be in the lineup now. The question mark becomes the Sam spot. That's where there's an opening. That's where potentially one of those guys, you know, if they decide to put EA on that edge, can he be a pass rusher that can get to the quarterback? That's a guy that could play because he can also hold the edge, I think. Maybe he um, gets an opportunity now. That's just starting. And I think it'd still be hard for him to come in in the fall and, and be able to make that impact. However, I think there could potentially be, you know, probably three of the guys that, that get an opportunity to get out there, maybe four. Um, Kanai Amaga has been really good. Um, and as we found out, he's got super long flow, really good flow to the back of the hair, the back of the middle of the back. Uh, so that always helps. Yeah, that always helps in your pass rushers to have that, that super long flow, I think. Um, so you have him. You I think Raymond Scott is taking some strides. You know, I, I think from week one to week three, he's already made a couple of steps there. So maybe he can get some playing time. And then I think EA and Tuli Pupu, when they come in, are, are guys that are, that are going to get a little bit of opportunities either on special teams or, uh, you know, getting some snaps defensively as well. Read John Houston. Um, as Jocken said, he got better towards the second half of the season. Um, that was the first time John Houston got significant playing time, let alone was starting at that will position. Um, Clancy actually talked last week about how for both uh, Cam Smith and John Houston, it was big for them in the second half of the season to get that playing time under their belt. They got so much more comfortable, and it was it's, takes some time for those positions to get comfortable and play better. And so Clancy was saying you saw in the second half how they both play better. So it takes time. And also, you know, re referring to John Houston, you know, I asked the question uh, to Clancy about Levi Jones. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've uh, stomped the yard trying to, to say that Levi Jones should have got more plays last year, um, you know, and got an opportunity. And Clancy kind of shot that down a little bit. Not, I didn't necessarily ask that direct question, but he said, when you have two guys that you're trying to develop, you have to give one of the guys the opportunity to actually develop. And, he, you know, you can't just be putting guys in there, you know, a couple plays each, and then neither one of them developed. So they left John Houston in there, gave him the opportunity, and I think he really showed his development coming on, you know, later in the season. And maybe 
maybe, you know, if, if John Houston would have got injured, maybe that development would have been the Levi Jones development. Maybe that would have been the, the difference there. Um, so uh, Clancy said that the Levi Jones is still picking some things up, uh, but I expect him to, to be in the mix as well this season. The interesting thing about Clancy that I'm curious about is I've heard him say that he needs to see more consistency from players, but I'm also curious how you get that if you don't have enough time to develop. Yeah. You know, does it put certain players in a position where when you do finally get that opportunity, do you have to be perfect to prove to Clancy that, okay, I can be out here? So I'm just curious how he balances that development versus consistency. Yeah. Yeah, it would be curious to see. Um, a lot of young players playing in the spring. Some of the questions we get are people saying, well, is there really an opportunity for people? Like, do they have enough time to show hey, there's an incumbent, but I'm better, you know, like, and did they really, and someone asked, like, if Clay Matthews was around right now, a walk-on, like, would he even be able to play? Like, could, could he have showed enough that he would get in there and play like he did at USC? So some people were feeling like there wasn't that opportunity, so. It, and I think to Clancy's credit, he has been giving more of the younger guys time. Uh, on Friday's scrimmage, I think the starters maybe got the first couple reps, and then the rest were the young guys getting yeah. a lot of reps. Um, so I think this spring he is putting an emphasis on giving those younger guys more development time, um, more so than we've seen before. And he has talked about more rotation, and we're starting to see that. So it seems like Clancy is kind of opening up a little bit towards having more guys in there. All right. Um, is that about it? or we're Pretty still... much it. George says... Who is your pick to be USC 2018 MVP? It seems so wide open right now. MVP. I think I'm going defense. Maybe it's like a Porter Gustin or something, you know? Maybe. Or in a Jenny Harris, like shotguns guy. Maybe, yeah. He gets like three putt returns for touchdowns or something. I don't know. Ryan not picking Tyler Vaughn's? <laughs> wow, that's shocking. Well, you got someone's got to throw it to you. <laughs> not, I haven't really seen. <laughs> I think him and Pittman both have a decent shot, but you got to have some good quarterback play because you're you're dependent on that. But I kind of think there's more depth on the defensive side that, you know, maybe Porter's healthy for the season, gets a, you know, 12 sacks and a bunch of fumble recoveries or something. I don't know. So maybe it's him. Cam Smith, maybe? I, I mean, yeah, I think the, the obvious answer is probably Cam Smith, right? I mean, he's a guy. Oh. Well, what I was going to say about Cam Smith. Oh, he's back. Just kidding. Oh. Did you guys hear me or did you lose no. me totally? Restart. Yeah, you. What about Cam Smith? So I, I think T Cam Smith has got, is kind of an obvious choice because he's the guy that racks up all the tackles in the middle of the defense. He's the captain. He's the guy that's going to position everybody, that type of thing. I, I talked to him uh, earlier in the spring, and that's one of the things he said is, is taking that next step and understanding the entire defense rather than just his role as the, the Mike linebacker so that he can be the guy to point to another guy and say, no, you're, you're two steps outside. You need to come in. No, on this play, this is what you need to do and be the guy that can direct everyone, I think, as the team leader. And, uh, if the MVP is kind of voted on by the players, I think that gives him an edge there because he's that leader in the locker room as well in that regard. So uh, he's, he's kind of the obvious choice. And if, if Ryan's not picking Tyler Bonds, I'm surprised he's not picking the obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, it Cam Smith actually had a really interesting scrum last week. He was very um, – sometimes Cam is kind of still in the zone and is like answering questions fast to two-word answers and he's gone. But it was really interesting seeing where the pers personal side of – Cam Smith, and he was saying, like, I really wanted to be an All-American before I left, 
and that's why he came back for his senior season and he was like i want it really badly yeah. and i don't want to leave here without it he was just like oscar performance of the passion he had um so he sold it to me he wants it and i think he's gonna give it if, get it if he's that passionate so um the lead tackler last two years yeah. at two different positions and clancy kind of let him call the defense towards this latter half of the season i think He'll be more comfortable this season, and, and he'll be the obvious, maybe obvious choice for MVP. See, so what I'm thinking, MVP too. Like he could lead the team in tackles, but are you getting some of the big splash plays where Porter? Uh, I think Porter has a lot of potential to make some of those, but you could give it to the guy that's just he's got 105 tackles or whatever, and just you know really been a steady player. And if he's like you know calling the defense and all that, but I was thinking more of like who's going to make some huge splash impact. Uh, you know, like if. Even Marshall will get like eight picks and returns a couple for a touchdown. I mean, then something like that, you might give him the MVP. So, but Cam is the steady guy, you know. Yeah. And Cam Smith also would have led the team in tackles his freshman year if he hadn't got hurt. Uh, so that'd be you could potentially be four years straight leading the team in tackling, which yeah. I don't think has happened he very often in USC for history. a while. Like even after he got hurt, like games after he got hurt, he was still leading the team in tackles, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I very well could be. Yeah, and also. Also, since Keeley brought it up, people asked him, you know, why he came back, and he gave a full answer. I know I got some, some uh, crap on the P for asking that of Iman Marshall and people, you know, being surprised that, that he didn't want to – or people defending him not wanting to speak of it, which was just kind of surprising of, of, of him. So you know, there you see the flip side, and I didn't see anyone complain about that question. I'm just curious about you guys. That's all. Probably got a little salty. A little salty there. That's well, okay. <laughs> Salt bay. Is that what that is? That's what the kids are saying? Okay. Uh, yes. That's millennial talk. Like, uh, nice. All right. Well, it seemed to work pretty good. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, thanks for Shotgun for taking some time, uh, time out of his <laughs> Busy schedule. regular work schedule to uh, join us here. Are you coming out to practice today, Shotgun? Obviously. Practice yeah. and then a baseball game afterwards? Come on. Nice. Full day. The whole trifecta. The hat trick. Shotgun hat trick. So we'll be here. We're going to have to grab some lunch, some gluten-free something. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know what shotgun. We'll, uh, we'll owe you one, I guess, shotgun. I got garlic lime chicken. I'm ready to go. Oh, oh nice. that's pretty good. Cool. All right. Well, that's shotgun up there in the, wait, right here in the box. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Keely right here. And I'm Ryan Abraham. Hopefully this worked out okay for you guys. If you're watching replay, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening, thank you. And if you were making some of the Facebook comments, Thank you very much. That kind of drives the show. So we, we appreciate wanna, you. Yeah. Uh, we love to talk about what you guys want to talk about, and it's cool to be able to do it uh, live as we're doing this stuff. So thanks for uh, tuning in. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com for all kinds of stuff, and we'll talk to you next time.